extension during the off season. I'm just wondering if you'd like to respond to that report. No, I appreciate you asking that. Um, you know, honestly, I try to stay out of reading uh, a lot of the articles and things during the year. Obviously, there are ups and downs and seasonality that kind of play a part uh, in life and also in football. And honestly, when that report came out, you know, my brother sent it to me. It was more hurtful than anything. Um, I found it to be, uh, well, the timing is a little bit weird, in my opinion. And if that was the case, I feel like this would have been leaked uh sometime earlier at the same time i try to treat everyone the same way and i will say this i and I, I thought about it for a while when people talk about rubbing people the wrong way like obviously like sometimes i mean that's part of the job of being a leader is to rub people the wrong way and i always try to be you know constructive and and respectful and my feedback and, and some people uh appreciate that transparency and some don't but at the end of the day, if we can't rub people the wrong way, how do you expect to be the best that you can be? And I would say anytime there's change or anything like that, like it's going to be painful. Someone's going to rub you the wrong way. At the end of the day, you have to look through all the words and really get to the substance or get to the meat and potatoes of what that person's trying to say. So it actually helped me. It kind of triggered a, uh, you know, a period of self-reflection. And I know it's recent. It was I think it's like a week old at this point, but it triggered a, 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 an opportunity for self-reflection and we all have blind spots and maybe that's one of my blind spots, but you know, at the end of the day, hopefully whoever put that story out uh, is man or woman enough to, to bring it to my attention to have a conversation. Thank you. Appreciate the answer. No, thanks Karen. And next question, Andrew Callahan. Hey Gerard, happy new year. Happy new year to you, Andrew. Um, good to see you. I just want to say thank you for that open and thoughtful answer. I know you got a big job, obviously, on Sunday, and it's, it's easy to kind of focus on that, um, even though we're here, you know, speaking face to face about that. Uh, yeah. I wanted to know just as far as the season has gone, you've been open about your confidence in being a head coach one day. But, you know, what, where have you grown this year that makes you a, a better candidate for the job um, down the road? Yeah, you know, this year has been a, a very trying year. And uh, anytime you you feel like you're out there and your unit's out there performing to the best of their ability. And we always talk about complimentary football and things like that. Look, everything's not going to be humming at the same time. And when I say humming, like, like going execution, uh, where we're talking offense, defense, and special teams. And, and honestly, I'm very appreciative of the guys in the locker room, very appreciative of the defense uh, slash special teams, because we play a lot of the special teams as well. Appreciative of just their overall willingness to go out there and perform. And one thing I did learn, this year is just the resilience of the people in this building, whether you're talking about uh, players or coaches, the resilience is definitely a reflection of the top with the Kraft family and also Coach Belichick. Uh, and I didn't appreciate that as much until he went through this year. So it's one thing I learned. Appreciate it, Jared. Thanks. Next question, Chris Ryan. Morning, Jared. how are you? I'm doing well, happy new year, Chris. Happy new year to you as well. Um, Wanted to ask you a little about your the, the remarks you made earlier and just how difficult is it when it is an unnamed source and you're kind of questioning, you know, where your know, things are are coming from. Uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of the mental gymnastics of that. I mean, what is that like and what did you learn about yourself, you know, kind of in that process of, of trying to, to make a positive out of that uh, situation? No, I, Chris, I think that's a great question. Um, once again, it wasn't. You know, I went through the whole emotional, like, just cycle of, first of all, being angry 
uh, angry at the point where, you know, I feel like I always uh, treat people the same. And I really haven't changed uh, in regards to that. Now, I have evolved as a as a coach. I have evolved as a man uh, in my mid-30s. But at the same time, I, I would just hope uh, that going forward, those people give me an opportunity to explain myself and also an opportunity to try to get on the same track. Uh, at the end of the day, though, some people are going to like you and some people aren't. And and I'm I'm okay with that. Some reporters are going to like you, some reporters aren't. Like what some people some players are going to like you and some players aren't. But I would hope there will be a mutual level of respect, uh level of respect with the media, level of respect with the coaches and also the players and you know, when it's all said and done, I think the players understand that we as a coaching staff are trying to put them in the best possible position to go out there and execute. And then from a coaching perspective, I only want people around me that are going to tell me the truth. I don't want to be trapped in an echo chamber and things like that because we all have blind spots, Chris. I mean, look, you have a blind spot, I'm sure. And, and I'm sure you know there are things that you need to improve on and things that you just don't know that you need to improve on. But you would hope that through building uh, you know, relationships that people were you know, very open about it and having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. But honestly, when those sources come out, it's like you look around, it's like, like, who would say something like that? But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And, and I've taken that in and, and tried to absorb it, went through the whole emotional roller coaster and trying to push forward. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. And next question, Mike Giotti. Happy New Year, Gerard. Happy New Year, Mike. Let me see that room. Okay. Fantastic. Sorry. Right. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> we're, not, we're not in the daughter's room. We're not in the she, closet. Hey. What time is this? 11.07 and she's still asleep. So I, I couldn't even get in there if I wanted to. What's going um, on, I wanted to ask you about uh, one of your former teammates. I think uh, a lot of folks believe that Matt Slater is going to play his last game on Sunday. I know he sort of hinted at it and, and usually takes some time for reflection after the season's over. Just for the man and what he's meant to the organization, can you can you speak on Matthew? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Matt is like a brother to me. You know, we came in together. And honestly, when you look at when you looked around that room, you know, the first time we got together as a rookie draft class, he probably would have been the last person that you would have chosen to be uh, a potential gold jacket winner. But I will say this. Uh, Slater has evolved as a man. He's evolved as a player and really has changed the game. Uh, one of those guys that, for, you know, a lot of people say it, first man out, last uh, first man in, last man out. I'm telling that is Slater 1000%. And I think Coach called him the perfect player. I would also call him the perfect teammate. And I would call him the perfect brother as well because we don't only talk about football. We talk about life. Uh, we talk about everything. And when Slate came in here, I'll just tell you this, and he'll, he'll, he'll uh, confirm this story. His sense of style since he got married to Shazad has gone through the roof. It's a lot better now. <laughs> When I first met Slate, he had starch jeans, like literally starch jeans. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? And they, they came above the ankles. He was in the skinny jean movement before it was before skinny jeans were cool. And, and I, I say that jokingly, but at the same time, he's a guy that I highly respect that, you know, I respect his opinion both on and off the field and also a spiritual leader inside of this building. And I think that's part of it, right? A lot of people think about X's and O's, but there's also a man, there's also a player uh, there are also women in the building that you have to you have to figure out a way to reach them mind, body and soul. And I would say Slater has definitely been uh, the model of a guy that can touch people in different ways. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. And we have time for two more questions here. We'll start off with Tyler Bronski. Hey, Gerard. Um, my question relates to your response to Karen 
that you know sometimes rubbing people the wrong way is part of it but you'd rather have someone that's going to give you full transparency so i'm curious when do you think you learned that lesson do you think you learned that more when you became a coach was it maybe when you were a player and dealing with a personal experience with the coach when do you think you got to that point you know i kind of grew up in that world you know my grandfather was a chief master sergeant in the military and my mom's also in the military stepdad so all those things uh I grew up that way. And I would also say, you know, even when I was at Tennessee or drafted here, I always ask coaches to be very upfront with me, even though it's going to hurt at first. And I would say even with this locker room now, uh, at least defensively, those guys want transparency and and they also appreciate when you're honest with them. You know, at this level, there are a lot of yes men and women around like, oh, you know, even if you have a bad game and you know you have you had a bad game you know, your family, you know, oh, it'd be okay. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't that. But at the same time, you know, from a coach's perspective, our job is to uh, put a mirror in front of your face and really show uh, what you're doing on the field. And and hopefully you can take that out of love. And and that's the way I coach. And that's the way a lot of us here coach. We coach out of love. So once you build that relationship with the guy, you can be tough on, on the players. But if you don't have that, I always talk about warmth before competence. Like at this stage, it was a little different back when I played. Like whatever the coach told you to do, you just go out and do it. And this generation's a little bit different where they really want to have accountability. They want to understand the why. And, and my job is to go out there and, and tell them what I see on the sideline. And I tell the defense all the time, at the end of the day, once you cross those white lines, like you're on the field, you're making plays or not making plays. And so our job as coaches is to give you guys the tools and get you guys comfortable enough to go out there and execute. And honestly, I've been on both sides. I've been on that side of the white line and I've been now obviously as a coach on the other side of the white line. But at the end of the day, the best teams that I've been around in my career have been those teams that have been really led by the players and the players like, right. Your, your, uh, you know, your captains and things like that have to feel like they have the full support from the rest of the staff. And then those guys go out and really police the locker room and and police the guys on the field. And, you know, they're the first person to see it on the field, like your effort or lack of execution. If you don't have trust in your teammates, that is more of a indicator than if, if the coach trusts or doesn't trust you. It's kind of like when you're, when your mom or dad tells you something, you're wrong, right, whatever, versus your brother or your sister, sibling. And so it's different. But those guys also have to feel empowered uh, to be able to do things like that. Hopefully I answered your question, Tom. Yeah. I'm kind of bouncing all over. No, I appreciate it, Gerard. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll try and squeeze one final question in here from Taylor Kyles. Hey, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know that you've expressed that you want to be a head coach in the future. And as someone who was a player, someone who has experience outside of football, I was wondering from your perspective, how does that give you an advantage in the role of being able to kind of see the game through different lenses and lead people? No, that's a, that's a great question, Taylor. And, and I really do appreciate it. One thing I learned at Optum under uh, Larry Renfro and, and my manager, Mike Mateo, was you know just being able to talk to different people. And I think I've talked about this before as far as diversity is is concerned you know most people think of diversity just black and white but there is generational diversity there's diversity of thought and all those are welcomed uh like at least to me and and i want to build an environment like that where there is a sense of psychological safety that people don't feel uh handcuffed to give their opinion and at the end of the day when you think about you know a you know, just a great culture and i would say that's a longer conversation as far as what culture actually is because sometimes 
culture, I mean, culture could be a retrospective way of really validating or invalidating success, right? So this team won a bunch of games. So, you know, the culture must be great. Or this team lost a bunch of games. The culture must be bad. And that's not necessarily true. And so when I think about uh, when I do get my opportunity, and I don't know when that's going to be. And honestly, uh, I'm kind of like a dry leaf blowing in the wind wherever God takes me. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like I'm prepared. I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I can talk to men, women, old, young, white, black. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, and hopefully develop those people into, you know, just upstanding citizens and, and help them evolve. So that's kind of how I think about it. I feel like my calling is to develop. And I would also say the role of a head coach is way different than the role of a coordinator. The role of a coordinator is way different than the role of a position coach. And so I look forward to the opportunity wherever that may be. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Taylor.